Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. They've done evil in the sight of the Lord, and they forgot the Lord their God. And they served the Baals and the Asherahs. And these are uh, Canaanite gods and goddesses uh, of that region that were very popular. But notice that they forgot the Lord their God. The word here means to be oblivious of. From want of memory or attention, they've forgotten, they've ignored they cease to care. That's really what the word is. The word means. They cease to care about the Lord their God. It just kind of slipped their mind. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues in the book of Judges, chapter 3. Our study today starts out with the Israelites again doing evil in the sight of the Lord. The scripture tells us that part of the accommodation of Israel to the pagan peoples surrounding them was their sin of intermarriage with the pagan nations in their midst. Their ungodly romance led them to the worship of their pagan gods. Jesus told us that following him would require that we give up the things we love most. Often, an ungodly romance falls into this exact category. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. So as Christians, we need to fight this battle first through prayer. And then, if opportunity is given to us, we need to express that in our ballots as we go to uh, vote for representatives and even presidents. We need to make our uh, our voice known. That's how we fight. We don't fight physically. We fight with our with prayer and um, through legislation. Lastly, but we first we pray. So we need to pray. So verse four it says when they and they were left that he might test them. These nations were left in the land that God might test Israel by them to know. Notice to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. The idea of know is to, to be known or to reveal. See, again, God knew, but he's allowing, he wanted to know whether they would obey. The idea is that he wanted to reveal what they were, how they would respond. Because that's when we're accountable. Uh, you know, God can't uh, reprove us until we act upon our own heart. And so he tests us. He allows something to come to pass. He already knows the end of it. But he wants to know. He wants it to be revealed so that we can see it. That's the thing. And why, why were these things happening? Why were, you know, the, why were these nations coming against them? Well, somewhere the fathers should have obeyed. We know that they didn't. The fathers should have obeyed. And they should also be instructing their children in their history and in things that they've learned. And secondly, the children needed to listen and to be obedient. So it really 
causes two. You know, like the the old phrase, uh, it takes two to tango. Uh, the fathers and the mothers they need to they need to be faithful to share and to instruct, and the kids they need to be willing to um, be obedient and to listen. And, and so um, we're all in that right now with our with our grandkids, with your kids. Uh, uh, with your own self, and it's so important that we do that. So going on to verse 5, he says, Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And again, this should never have been. This was not God's will. But because of their own disobedience, this was the consequence. There are consequences for sin. In fact, your sin will always find you out. Uh, let me read to you Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32 and 21 through 23. Let me read it to you. This is when uh, Moses was speaking to the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh before they came across the uh, uh, Jordan River into the Promised Land. And he said to them, And all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord. Then afterward, you, speaking of the Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, then you can return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel, your brothers, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But notice this, but if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And sin always has a way of finding us out. There are people. There are people who have committed murders, and I know that if, uh, if uh, there's some, there's a brother um, that we know who has been in major crimes uh, for most of his career. There's been a couple of them actually that I know. A couple of brothers that I know are Christians that they've been in major crimes involved in Lee County or in uh, Monroe County for several for a couple decades, and they have stories to tell. And the thing is, is you can you can bury someone. You can go through all of your uh, the things that you try to do to hide and cover up your crime. And time has a way, God has a way of sneaking up behind you when you think you're scot-free and you've gotten away with it. And all of a sudden there's a piece of DNA that shows up. Way back, you know, crimes that were committed many years ago when DNA wasn't even used because they didn't even have the technology. But now they do. And now they can go back and exhume uh, persons and they can find... Uh, evidence and, and arrest people in their old age. Some of these old men are spending time in bar, behind bars for the rest of their life because of that kind of thing. But your sin will always find you out. Going on in verse 6, it says, And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. This is an, a, a really incredible indictment that God gives to uh, the children of Israel. And this, unfortunately, was a partial fulfillment of the prophecy that God spoke to them earlier. I would encourage you to write these two uh, uh, scripture references down. And I've said them before, but I'm going to say it again because they're so important. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And, and make it a little note off to the side here on verse 6. Maybe write these down. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. And also... Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18. Read those in connection with what these first six verses are, and it'll make a lot of sense to you. And it's just God, again, telling them beforehand, telling them beforehand. And it's a partial fulfillment because they would continue to do this for some time. And that's why they would go into captivity. That's why the Assyrians would take the northern ten tribes. That's why Babylon would come and grab the the southern two tribes, all because of this. And it started back here, and it just continued to perpetuate. 
And isn't it a horrible thing about human nature? We just don't seem to really listen. We don't seem to learn. Why is that? It's because of sin. It's because of stubbornness. We, we, we don't want to learn. We don't want anybody telling us that we have messed up, that we have sinned against God or have done anything wrong because our pride, and the devil loves this because he's the author of pride. He loves it when, when somebody is so proud in them, their own accomplishments, their own uh, whatever it is. And when they can stand up and say, this is not for me because I'm such and such. I've, I've done this and I've done that. And God's thinking to himself, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what family you've come from. I don't care what pedigree you have. I don't care if you went to Oxford and Yale. I don't care if you have a great job in the White House. I don't care if you live on Capitol Hill. I don't care how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Uh, the soul that sins shall surely die. And see, that's where the gospel is so wonderful. We can have this confidence that when God, um, when he drops the hammer, he's serious. But he loves us that he took the judgment out upon his son. And that's who we have to believe in, folks. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to keep telling people to believe in Christ. He's, he is the world's only hope right now. Our hope is not in a vaccine. Our hope is, should be Christ. Our hope should be Jesus Christ. So going on in verse 7, we find our first judge, Othniel. It says, So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Amazing. It's happening again. They've done evil in the sight of the Lord, and they forgot the Lord their God. And they served the Baals and the Asherahs. And these are uh, Canaanite gods and goddesses uh, of that region that were very popular. But notice that they forgot the Lord their God. The word here means to be oblivious of from want of memory or attention, they've forgotten, they've ignored, they cease to care. That's really what the word is. The word means. They cease to care about the Lord their God. It just kind of slipped their mind. And why did it slip their mind? Because they weren't being faithful. The elders, the parents, weren't being faithful to tell their kids. And this hits me square in the eye, in the, in between the eyes too, because it reminds me of how often I need to be in the Word with my daughter. And, um, and I need to uh, take that very seriously. And so you ought to as well. We ought to take that very seriously. So they forgot the Lord their God and they served the Baals. And it was through neglect and their lack of care that they had forgotten the rock who bought them. Yes, we've been bought. Isn't that what Peter said? That we're a purchased people, uh, uh, a valued possession, uh, a, a purchased people is really what he said. And the thing is, is, if we aren't careful, we, the church, we can do the same thing. So we need to be careful that the ease and the allurements all around us in this world don't make us complacent and lazy. And folks, it does. It just does. And I don't know about you, but it's the, what's happening right now in our country has kind of shaken the trees, hasn't it? It's really shaken people. And that's a good thing. Think of that as a grace of God, in a, in a sense. It's His mercy that He's doing this. Because how else would we wake up? How else is it that we would, we, we would kind of come out of our slumber? Sometimes I just need to be slapped. <laughs> I need to be slapped and, and with a cold, wet hand and say, Wake up, Kellogg. Wake up. I need to be woken up. And unfortunately... Human nature, it's human nature to follow the path of least resistance. And that's why we and the children of Israel had all these issues. So going on to verse 8, it says, Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan-Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. 
And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishimathaim eight years. Now, when the Lord says that he was hot, that literally means what it sounds like. He was incensed, he was burning and grieved, and he was furious. And I don't know about you, but whenever that happens, when, when God is that mad, I want to duck. I want to duck. I want to find the lowest rock, and I want to slink underneath it and be as quiet as I can. I do not want to be on the wrathful side of God. Because, see, wrath and love are the opposites of the spectrum. You can't really love like God does unless you hate unless you hate um, sin. And so... Um, these things are opposites, and they have to be working like that. Because if you really love, you can't you can't just condone sin. You can't just let things go. You got to deal with it. And so, as he says, he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim. He sold them, and the word there is literally mean uh, sold as merchandise, like selling into slavery. That's really what it means. And it ought to remind us when uh, Joseph's brother sold him to the Ishmaelites. Remember when he did that. And so this is the same same kind of thing. He sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim. Say that word three three times really fast. Um, and the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. His name literally means Cushan of double wickedness. How is that for a name? Double wickedness. Not not this. Not just Cushan the wicked. No, he's double wickedness. So whoever this guy is, uh, he's a pretty wicked individual. But notice verse 9. It says, When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Now I want you to notice this phrase and underline it too because it's really important. When the children of Israel, when they cried out to the Lord. Underline cried out to the Lord because that is desperation, isn't it? When 9-11 happened, Everyone was crushed. Everyone was crying out to the Lord. When this is happening in our country, there's many people silently behind doors really scared. And they're crying out to the Lord. Even most of us are crying out to the Lord, saying, Lord, how long? How long is it before we can get back to normalcy? But they cried out to the Lord. And we have to remember that the Lord, He is very compassionate, not only to believers, but especially to unbelievers. He is compassionate. He is full of mercy. He is full of compassion. That's who our God is. I love what it says in Psalm 107. And let me just read a, a handful of verses to you. It's a, it's a psalm. Uh, and it says, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and to the south, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. And here, David, or the psalmist, is talking about Israel. They found no city to dwell in. They were hungry and thirsty, and their soul fainted in them. And notice in verse 6, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord. That's what we're reading right now. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And guess what? He delivered them out of their distresses, and He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. And then in verse 8 of Psalm 107, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. 
For he satisfies the longing soul, and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. And those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High, therefore he brought down their heart with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. And notice, finally, in verse 13, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. The idea is that when we are... When we are completely, completely desperate, when we cry out to the Lord, the Lord always pays attention to, He always responds to true desperation. And are you desperate tonight? Are you desperate to really have a deeper walk with Him? Are you desperate in your own situation over your family? That Maybe the state of your family, maybe a husband, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a loved one, but are you desperate? Cry out to the Lord and He will hear you. So, when the Lord, verse 9, I'm sorry, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. And we see this first one uh, for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And we know that Caleb and his family were from the tribe of Judah. And notice that the very first judge that this book talks about was from Judah. He was from Judah. And why is that a big deal? Because in the very first chapter of Judges, remember when they were coming into the land after the death of Moses or after the death of Joshua, and they still had some work to do, didn't they? And they came before the Lord and they said, Who's going to go up first for us to deliver our you know, to go against our enemies? And they um, they asked the Lord, and the Lord says, Judah shall go up first. Judah. Judah is supposed to go up first. And why is this? Because Joshua, I'm sorry, um, not Joshua. Uh, Jacob, excuse me, remember in Genesis 49, on his deathbed as he was blessing his 12 sons, what was the one thing he said about Judah? He said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from before his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So already God is putting Judah as this uh, leader of the tribes, and he was going to be the leader. And ultimately it would be through Judah that not only the first real king of, of Israel, who was, uh, was David, even though it was Saul, he was from Benjamin, but the first real king that God really approved of was David from the tribe of Judah. And who would ultimately come through his loins, through his line, if you will, our, our Savior Jesus Christ. And notice verse 10, So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That's interesting, isn't it? So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel, and he judged Israel, and he went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushath, uh, Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. Boy, say that three times really fast. Maybe four times if you're really smart. You, know, you can do it. But notice that uh, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So you and I enjoy something that the Old Testament saints never had. You and I have the Spirit of God indwelling us permanently, But in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God didn't indwell the believer or indwell anyone. He came upon them at different times to accomplish his means. And this is a good example. And notice what can happen through a man who's got the Spirit of God upon him and who was insignificant to everyone else. God chose Othniel from Judah, right? He he, he called him and he empowered him. And what can God do through a a man who nobody else looks at and thinks, uh, this guy is... He's not He's not handsome. He can't speak well. He doesn't have the pedigree. He didn't go to Yale or Harvard or Oxford. Um, he didn't go to um, you know Princeton. 
Um, he doesn't have all, he doesn't have a, a blonde girlfriend, um, so he's you know he's nobody, right? And so God looks at all that and says, mm, I don't need any of that stuff. Watch what I'm going to do through this insignificant person. And God loves to do that, and He loves to pour out His Spirit on one that nobody could could care less about. And I love that. God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't need authority. He doesn't need man-made authority. He doesn't need pedigrees. He doesn't need fancy jobs and titles. He doesn't need money even, per se. God can do a lot with nothing. And so the Spirit of God comes upon him. In verse 11, So the land, notice, had rest as a result for 40 years. So God brought Othniel, the son of Kenaz, um, against uh, Cushan, Rishathaim, and prevailed. And it says the land had rest for 40 years. And then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And that leads us right into our next judge of Israel. In fact, the whole time of Othniel was really the first of seven periods in the book of Judges. Because he delivered. You know, they, they served the, the king of Rishathaim. Uh, they served him for eight years. They had After the battle, they had rest for 40 years. And that was the first of the seven periods. The second of those seven periods happens right now in the, in, with Ehud. And notice what it says in verse 12. It says, And the children of Israel, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel. Because they had done evil... In the sight of the Lord. Now remember, Moab was a descendant of Lot. Remember Abraham's nephew. It's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 19 how his two daughters, after they came out of Sodom and Gomorrah, remember that place was completely destroyed. And the two daughters, uh, in fear of uh, not having any kind of uh, prosperity, or posterity, I should say, posterity, is that right? Um, uh, They got their father drunk. And they had intimate relationships with him, and they both had a son. And one was called Ammon or Ben Ami, and the other one was called Moab. And so these two people, these two nations, really came out of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his two daughters, which God obviously did not sanction, nor did he approve of that. It was horrible, and and they got him drunk to do it. And so he wasn't a very um, wasn't in control of himself. But verse 13, it says, Then he gathered to himself the people. So this Eglon, king of Moab, which is to the south and east of Israel, this king gathered the people of Ammon. Notice, that's one of the brothers of Moab was Ammon. And Amalek. These are the Amalekites. They went and they defeated Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The city of Palms, as you know, is Jericho. And when we were there just recently, it's an amazing thing. Right in the valley of Jordan there, in the valley... Um, is, is, a, is a major fault line, actually. They call it a, um, I forget what it's called, um, but it's, it's literally a fault line that lines right in between in the Jordan Valley and right on the eastern side of the Jordan, the western side of the Jordan, I'm sorry, is Jericho. And even to this day, palm trees, for some reason, they're flourishing all down throughout that area. You'll just drive for miles and see them. I got pictures and videos of the bus driving and just seeing Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of palm trees. And so they came and they took possession of Jericho because Jericho had already been defeated, remember, previously by the, by the Israelites. So it was, a, it was a complete ruins, but strategically it was a great place for an army to be. So in verse 14, the children of Israel, they served Eglon. It sounds like, sounds like the name of some kind of dairy farm, Eglon. 
You know, uh, if I was a, uh, if I started my own egg business, I think I'll call it Eglon, or maybe not. Um, but Eglon, uh, king of Moab, they served him 18 years. But when the children of Israel, notice, cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up another deliverer, and this one was Ehud, the son of Gerah, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.